What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news with a touch of what, Terrence? Good old humor, man. Good old yeah. humor, man. Good old humor. Mm. So how has life changed mm. since Monday, Terrence? Um, wow, we're back to the heat again, huh? <laughs> like they weren't joking. <laughs> they really weren't joking when they said that the, all the, the cold weather and rains would end by mid-March. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Even though like, mm. I know people who didn't like it, like my wife, um, but I fucking loved it. And yeah, now mm. I'm back to being sweaty all the time. All the time. Yeah, it really is something quite remarkable that we live with this like perpetual state of like uh, be having this balm on our skin, right? Yeah. On your face and your skin all the time. And all I, the time. I, it's, it really puzzles me when I, when I see like in, you know, countries with different climates and all, they create, they, they make products that they, they feel can last through different weather types and all, but, but nothing like almost everything gets destroyed in our kind of weather, our humid, crazy, Sweaty weather, whether it's your clothes or you know like, uh, your phone case, yeah, headphone, <laughs> headphones, yes. <laughs> Our weather just doesn't allow anything to survive that long. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like I mean potato chips, lah. You know, if you've been in a in a temperate climate where it's less humid, you leave potato chips out. It stays crunchier for a long, a slightly like like a longer time, lah. Right. But in Singapore, mm, no. Yeah. It just wilts. It just wilts. But at the start yeah. of the year, it really did feel like you're waking up in a different country. And I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Love yeah. that shit. But now oh, back, yeah. to back to perennial to moistness. <laughs> perennial moistness. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. hopefully climate change. I don't know whether climate change could have any any uh positive effects for us for the rest of our lives. Maybe the weather gets cooler in Singapore or something like that. No, so the, what, what are the chances? What I'm scared is if it was cooler than it is at the start of the year, is it going to be hotter than it normally is in the middle of the year? And I think we're going to find that so, out. Man. Yeah, I think it's going to be hot so, as hell. Ah, yeah, man. Yeah. But oh well. Climate change is real, man. Climate change is real, yeah. Life still has to go yeah. on. And parliament yes, still yes, need yes. to sit. Parliament still needs to sit. Mayors yeah. still need to get paid. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. Mm. But um, yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what is... Uh, well, I mean, before we jump to all that, because that's kind of all related to what we're talking about as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, what, what is one thing that we wanted to plug? Yeah. The, the plug today is a, is a new plug. It's to, it's to basically ask anyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, who mm. works at a company or who has a company that is looking for a way to reach people. Um, cause we have been doing a lot of uh, pre-roll ads for Fokery. And if you, you've listened to us for a while, you know, sometimes at the start of the podcast, we do a, a little ad for a client or a brand. And, and we have just opened up a bunch of slots for the coming months. And because we want to grow the podcast, we want to, you know, do more epic shit. Um, we are looking for for partners and sponsors and brands. Mm, mm. Yeah. So and I think uh, yeah. because it's the end of the fiscal year for a lot of uh, companies as well. Yeah. So yeah, you know, if there's if there's time, if there's a budget to work with uh, someone like Yala Bud, like on our podcast, uh, please do reach out to us. I think uh, for us, it's a it's a very big part of uh, growing our our team. You know like uh, achieving our goals for the podcast this coming year. Mm. So yes, it's, a, it's that time to 
have a conversation, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you can reach us via Instagram, Reddit. You can email us at contact at ministryoffunny.com. Uh, I know probably first thing, if you're working in marketing or a company, it's like, oh, how much will it cost? Well, then let's chat, man. Let's chat. Uh, just mm. hit us up. Uh, we got media kits. We got pitch decks. We got statistics. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so it'll be good. It'll, it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. yeah. Don't be shy. Let's don't just, be shy. Let's just have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> Terrence, don't, don't sound so sad, Terrence. No, it's not sad. I just, I was just laughing because it sounds like, it sounds like the kind of thing that a creepy predator, <laughs> you know, it's like, Sexual predator, I would say. <laughs> Which yeah. is what? Don't be shy. Just come and chat. <laughs> Don't be shy. You Don't know, be just, shy. Just come and just message me us. Yeah, just, my DMs. I'll be always here for you. You know, anytime you want to chat, I'll just chat. I'll be there, okay? Don't, don't shy. Eh? Just just tell me whatever yeah, you're worried yeah. about, whatever you're scared. Just tell. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Sweet. Cool. But yes. Yes. Jump into our first big topic of the day. Uh, jumping in. So, the mm. parliament did sit uh, this past Monday uh, and Tuesday. Mm. And I believe they might be sitting uh, today as well. Yes, yeah. today they are sitting as well. So it's the 14th Parliament of Singapore. And a whole bunch of things were spoken about. La. I think right now our articles mm. are flooded on many, many different topics. But the one thing that we're going to be talking about today is the update mm. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the recycling project kerfuffle that was unveiled by Reuters a few months ago, which we actually mm. covered on our, on our podcast as well. Um, mm, mm. And I mean, the minister in charge of the respective ministry uh, gave a statement. There were some questions fielded in parliament. There was a topic of greenwashing. And we're going to mm. we're gonna go deep into that, man. Mm, mm, yes. Yeah, cool. So so maybe just, just for context of what actually happened, um, basically there was this whole partnership between Sports SG um, and BT Sports, uh, and a few other agencies contracted through BT Sports to collect shoes from Singapore uh, at multiple shoe collection boxes around Singapore. Uh, hey, don't which forget will be Dow, Dow Chemical. Dow Chemical. Ah, Dow Chemical. Both. Dow Chemical, yeah. correct. Um, so there was this huge project that was announced. There was a lot of like um, press given to it, a lot of uh, government statements. Um, and the whole goal was to collect shoes and recycle them into um, infrastructure that would be built by Sports Singapore. Which includes like yeah, running basically tracks. Basically, the running tracks, right? Yeah, like running They would tracks. grind up the shoes and then recycle the, the material and use it as uh, the material for running tracks. Yeah. And I mean, it was going to be done at Singapore's first grinding facility. Mm, mm, you know? Yeah. It sounds like we've always had grinding facilities, just they're called by a different name. Uh, if you get that. Called? I mean, like no, Zoom. I oh, yeah. No, I was going to make that joke uh, or so, but, but you called it <laughs> You call it a grinding facility. Yeah, so it's you a call grinding it a facility. facility. <laughs> it was back in the day when there wasn't like uh, before the Me Too movement, I suppose. It was. Uh, I mean, okay, I haven't stepped in a club for them long. I assume they're still grinding. But of course, it's a grinding facility. It facilitates grinding. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe that's the, when you say grinding, that's like a very old millennial parlance for, for kind of <laughs> dance, like, right? Like maybe people today what? don't even know what you're talking about. That's why the joke like flies over their head. Mutual head, gyration, uh. is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about a man and a woman dancing together in close proximity. Or a woman when, and a woman, or a man and a man. Or a man, yeah, yeah, yeah anyone. But, yeah. I did, you know, usually it's uh, like a spooning kind of position while standing, right? 
Yeah. And then and then when the two bodies rub against each other, it's called grinding. Grinding. Uh, yeah, so I think the two thousands it was a very big deal in clubs or parties and all that. No, I mean I not a big deal, it's just the kind of thing that people did in clubs and parties. This is That's like why the Harish is making this joke, right? Yeah. This is the like the predator episodes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but yes, the grinding facility, uh, a facade of the, mm. the years of yesteryear. Um, yes. So yes. yes. So uh, it was supposed to be ground at this facility, recycled. But a Reuters investigation, where they planted like tracking tags into eleven pairs of shoes, deposited at mar- various points around Singapore. Uh, they found that it was not recycled, and with a lot of them ended ending up at like secondhand shops in as far away as Indonesia. Mm, so they mm. uncovered that there was um, a subcontractor of, of Alba WH, um, mm. which was responsible for collecting and aggregating the shoes that didn't separate the shoes that were meant to be recycled from the shoes that they were collecting to be resold. And it mm. all got lumped together. And the video from Reuters, it is quite, um, how you say, uh, quite damning. Uh, mm. And we covered it. And then yeah, like, there were five questions posed by uh, MPs before the parliament about this topic in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so I mean the, yeah. So what was the update that, that ultimately, um, you know, came out in parliament yesterday? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, Edwin Tong, who's the minister for culture, community and youth, uh, who I guess was the, the, the person who fielded this question. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. he said like, there were lapses um, and that um, the process chain for recycling donated sports shoes has been tightened um, and that mm. there will be extra mm. measures that will be taken. Uh, hopefully, they won't be as burdensome to the process as, as they need to be and that it would not deter people from uh, participating in such schemes. La. And then there were a bunch of questions mm. that happened after that. La. But those were yeah. the main things. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, there was a fuck up. And they are tightening the measures to prevent future fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, ultimately, you know, without going to all the details about who the vendors and which process it fucked up and everything, yeah. uh, what, what, what do you think on the surface about of that explanation? I mean, it sounds like a textbook explanation la, that, okay, there were mm. one of the things that happened uh, to with one of the subcontractors, the contract was terminated. Um, that we will do better, and we mm. will have uh, multiple learning points. I think that was a phrase, mm. Mm. right? Mm. Uh, multiple learning points. So on one hand, part of me is like, okay, like uh, can they the the authority like Sport Singapore Dow? They apologize. He said they messed up. They are learning points. But then on the other end, I don't know, like, what else can there be? That was for me, like, for you? Mm, yeah, I just felt like it seemed a little too convenient to just blame mm. a subcontractor for the issue. Uh, yeah. Because ultimately, someone needs to oversee the the contractor and the subcontractor. So who is that that body or that person overseeing mm. it, like, right? Uh, obviously, you can't 100% prevent... Um, any any instance of uh, a fuck up happening, like right? Mm-hmm. But I think what I was hoping to hear was, you know, then will there be implementation of more oversight into making sure something like that doesn't happen again? Uh, because ultimately, that is uh, what what happened in this instance 
is an example of what greenwashing is, like, right? Where mm. where basically a company or corporation makes certain exaggerated claims about uh what environmental, social, uh, governance initiatives they're called ESG, like, right? ESG is the, the mm. term for it, I think. What ESG initiatives they're doing to help the environment and all. But when those initiatives don't meet uh, what they claim and the expectations and everything, who who's who's going to be held responsible for it, like, right? Mm. Um, because I think in a related on a related note as well, in the same sitting, uh, you know, Minister of State Elvin Tan, who's been on this podcast before, he did say that you know anybody who any commerce who encounter greenwashing claims, like, right, can report this to the Consumer Association of Singapore, like, right. So again, mm. the the whole thing, the onus seems to fall on the consumer to to catch or call out these instances of, of greenwashing, like, right? Whereas, uh, it seems like there isn't any, uh, there there should be a tightening of uh, the oversight, like, whether it's by authorities or from the the corporations who make these claims of of environmental sustainability and all that to instruct stricter measure uh, to instill stricter measures, like stricter regulation oversight of what all these processes are. So mm. that's what I got from the from the exchanges is that uh yeah let's you know let's put the blame on the subcontractor but yeah everything else is fine and, and is is running smoothly as opposed to thinking about how can we do more to uh prevent something like that from happening or at least prevent it from prevent it from having the consumer or you know Reuters be the one to this dig these things up, you know? Uh, and then we mm. react to it, so to be a bit more proactive, lah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, like, um, yeah, the the proactive part. He did mention that certain uh measures specific to this program will be implemented, lah. Mm. So, um, appointing only contractors and subcontractors not involved in any secondhand trading of textiles or shoes, because I think mm. Yoke, uh, uh, it it does that as part of his business, like Yoke mm. Impacts. Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, all the collected shoes will be transported to one of the Alba WH's premises mm. without any aggregation or sorting at any middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there'll be regular spot checks and inspections like, of the premises of contractors and subcontractors. But but to your point, um, yeah, like, I mean, it's one of those things that, okay, you do this. That's why I was like, okay, so what more would, uh, would uh, how you say, uh, like, uh, a responsible society demand from its leaders and ministers. And I was thinking, okay, so what would be helpful? Is it just at a specific number of how many spot checks, how many inspections? Because some of the ministers did follow up with that question. Mm. Um, mm. And I think, I can't remember if it was, yeah, it it, it, it was an add-on question. And I know even Pritam said, does it even move the needle? Because tracks are sometimes built by used tires. Mm. Mm. Um, and then it didn't get into the specifics. But, yeah, at this point, uh, yeah, it, it just felt like there's no. I think the thing that stuck out for me is like, okay, there's a contractor, but uh, what is there anyone who should be held accountable, mm. like an individual? Because yeah. the thing about blaming corporations, right? Mm. It's just it. It just feels like it's part and parcel of a corporation to be blamed, mm. uh, mm. and and to get off scot free, lah. Mm. Right, yeah. I'm not saying go to the extreme of like uh, I don't know countries like Japan where people have to bow and quit. But in yeah, the good old days, commit harikiri or so, right? 
Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so it just felt like a light tap, lah. A light tap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, to that point, uh, you know, that's why uh, I think some of the responses to to uh, Alvin Tan's uh, statement about, you know, that consumers can report report egregious instances of greenwashing to case. Uh, I think Leon Pereira from Workers' Party asked if it's possible to legislate this uh, because, you know, you want to make sure that there's public confidence in, in all these green claims, uh, right, when companies make mm. them. Um, and you know that 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 million dollar word that honestly right now everyone is sick of hearing came up la. Uh, mm. or at least at least in the the news articles, it's that the situation Singapore is monitoring global oh. developments. <laughs> Singapore, I mean, to quote to quote them directly, Tan said they are they are studying developments of greenwashing in other jurisdictions to assess any specific guidance or regulations la, Right. Whether they mm, be useful, mm. um, and yeah, like, I think that's that's the the word that a lot of people are reacting very badly to. Especially, I think when they were talking about monitoring HDB prices or you know the rising prices of BTOs, like right, that that's what happened. And now Singapore seems to be monitoring the you know whether greenwashing needs to be legislated, like, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, like, the the in between of saying, oh, consumers, if you see any instances of greenwashing and you can complain the case and tell them about it. I mean, come on, like, you know, like that it's again, the onus is on the consumers to report it before any, before any action is taken. Like, and I've always felt like, uh, Singapore's, our advertising practices, uh, we lag a lot behind places like Australia where, mm. where companies are held to, held to account for what they claim in advertisements a lot more, like, right? Mm. Um, mm. so, I feel like that's still something that can be can be improved upon now, whether it's you know making companies really justify their their green claims uh and and providing avenues for people to actually look up whether they've actually fulfilled their green aims or mm, mm, yeah yeah, so I mean maybe if they want to go down that path, they go all out la. they say, okay, we will be giving out free trackers mm. at multiple points around Singapore. Feel free to put them in any product uh, yeah. that you'll be depositing yeah. uh, be it or donating to charity to so you can do your own little mini investigation just like Reuters yeah yeah could I think you mentioned yeah. that we wanted to do yeah with, we wanted uh, to recycling bins as well, right recycling bins uh, correct, correct. The, our idea revolved around putting a GoPro in the recycling bin which was you know, that would be way too expensive to track. Out, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why, then we were like, fuck, yeah. which bin to put the one GoPro in? Uh? Yeah, and how many uh, batteries can we get the GoPro need? back? <laughs> <laughs> how many batteries would you need to run the GoPro? Why if someone throws like food and then it just spills all over the camera <laughs> yeah. and things like that? Like, right, yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean, that was how long ago we were thinking about it, like pre the the air tags or anything. Like. Mm, mm, um, yeah. But I guess, yeah, maybe it, it's it's just that. Like, it, it, it felt like... Um, Okay, this was a problem. Okay, we found a weak link and we will strengthen it. But, mm. ah, yeah, it just, like, um, it, it took a foreign uh, media outlet to uncover this, lah, you know. I would almost mm. feel a bit mm. better if it was, like, one of the media outlets and, and not shitting on the media outlets, or at least not all of them. Some of them do yeah. good, very, do, do very good in- investigative stuff, lah, like, some of the stuff that CNA has been putting out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just felt like one of those things, wow, if no one uncovered then. What about every other recycling program? That's why mm. Edwin Tong did say that the learnings will be shared across um, 
um, other recycling projects. Mm. But mm. I hope there's some follow up there because yeah. I would like to see what in detail the lessons and measures are or the documents that are put like. And mm. I don't know the whole thing about with corporations is always a diffusion of res- responsibility like, You know. Yeah, and then that's what Be- I think is the is the painful thing in that. It's not that nothing is being done. You know, think about it like, you no, know, now I think there's a, there's a new rule to institute, uh, uh, 10, is it five cents for every plastic bag or something like that that you get from mm. NTUCs? And I think just yeah. recently they announced about, uh, having to put a deposit for when you use glass or aluminum, uh, cans or bottles, uh, right? Mm. Um, so there are these, there are all these measures being put in place to encourage consumers to go green, right? to, to mm. be responsible, go green, literally, by its monetary, its financial, you could say incentives, all these incentives, like, right? Um, yeah. So, when corporations make come out and make all these claims about what they're doing as well, what how are we holding them to account, like, right? Or are we yeah. just saying, oh, we've learned, we, oh, a mistake was made, we've learned from that mistake, we've learned that we're sharing the findings of everyone within the the, the public sector, um, I feel more can be done. Uh, more can be done to 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 hold them to account. Yeah, because not forgetting that. Uh, I mean, like even BT Asia, right? I think um, Sports SG did uh, co-fund the building of the facility, mm. and I mean, with all the press that was given through this to elevate those companies, mm. um, it, it this one thing is it's easily brushed off, la, mm, right? Mm, mm. But these companies already enjoyed a lot of media attention when it came out. Yeah a lot of green points, you know? Like, yeah. um, I mean, I've seen like how people evaluate marketing campaigns. Right? This earned $200,000 of press. I'm mm. like, how the fuck you calculate that? You know, it's just the number of eyeballs you assign a value. Mm. So, okay, if this all cost is being put there, then, um, yeah, like, it just feels, it can't just be, okay, that weak link is the, it, it, it's a bigger issue, like, the whole thing. And, I don't know, maybe, like, if you watch the video, right, uh, when uh, one of the MPs fielded a follow-up question, mm. uh, I'll, I'll find who, but he asked those two questions, um, and Tan Chuan Jin, who's the Speaker of the House, mm. um, because the, the the MP was quite quite uh, eloquent and articulate and quite impassion, uh, passionate, like, mm. then after he turned on the, the mic, Tan Chuan Jin said, oh, um, were any of the shoes from Clementi? And the whole parliament laughed, mm. including mm. Edwin Tong, he came out and laughed. Then I'm like... I don't know, that just felt like, uh, it felt like one of those jokes, you know, like you are with your family, you want to make a point, you just drop the mic, then someone just says this joke that just makes everything feel like very trivial, you know? Mm, mm, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, Parliament, people do watch it, and it just felt like, wow, this, is this even a serious thing? Is it a joke? Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. don't trivialize. I think one important thing is don't trivialize, uh, people's concerns and efforts to go green, right? Uh, yeah. It's it, it just, as much as you feel like maybe the impact of one person or one small country like Singapore or what, doesn't matter. I think there's a whole generation of people who who see this as a much bigger issue, right? Than our lawmakers mm. might be seeing it. And, uh, you know, any, any act of trivializing or looking like you're trivializing it is... Uh, you know, it's it, it won't be taken kindly. Uh. It's like a slap in the face of of what we what uh, a whole generation of people prioritize as well, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, like I remember how and- how how you know taken aback you were when you discovered that uh, like uh, our our office building and all that 
because it didn't have a real recycling facility, like, right? Yeah. Not, <laughs> like we had a bin, but eventually over time, we were slowly told that, oh, this cannot go in a bin, that cannot go in a bin, this can't be recycled, that won't be recycled, and all that kind of thing. And eventually, the bin disappeared, right? Yeah. And and then it I didn't... think you, I think like you, at that point, you were like, just like, you know, your shoulders just drooped and you were like so sad. I had like, it felt like the whole yeah, world was. crashing now. Yeah, and, and how we went about it was that we would like gather all our recyclable stuff and drive, drive out to the <laughs> blue bin. Which kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose of trying to be eco-friendly. But I guess it's still, that's that's literally what we, we were doing. Just, you know, maybe it's the cognitive dissonance, dissonance or what, right? We didn't want to just give up on like our plans to recycle just like that, like, right? Yeah. But that's the thing. So mm. it just gets easier to give up. Yeah. And maybe that, that's the crux of anything to do with the environment stuff. Like it's one of the things that people are fucking passionate about. Mm, mm, mm. All right. And the last thing you want someone to maybe took the time to recycle, took the time, maybe, hey, I can sell these shoes on carousel. But you know what? I'm going to donate it for the future of Singapore mm, mm, to mm. just find out that, hey, no, what? What the hell? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it just, like, uh, yeah, you never want to kill the passion for saving yeah. the world in anyone, like, be it young or old. Yeah, I think recently, the the one that also uh, was a little bit of fuss about it was, I think uh, a lot of Singaporeans donated clothes, right, to the victims mm. of the Turkey earthquake. Uh, and I think just last week or something, it was, they announced that part of the clothes would just be incinerated la, or disposed mm. of because uh, there were mm. just too many already. Uh, that they, they it, it was more trouble to actually try and ship everything over to Turkey than it was to just dispose of it, like, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can understand why people are irritated or upset like, because, uh, I I mean, I saw on social media and I know people who, you know, personally took time or, or they even careered over uh, clothes and shoes because they thought that that's, that's what uh, would help the effort the most, like, right? The, the relief efforts. Uh, so they paid mm-hmm. money to career stuff over or they took time to drive to, uh, you know, the drop-off points and all that. Because they thought that those efforts would go a long way towards helping people, uh, but later turned out it had no difference. There was no difference from just throwing it in your bin, uh, basically. And uh, it's a it's it's such a demoralizing thing to hear uh, after you you put in the effort as well. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So I mean, I hope I hope this doesn't end there. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to Reuters and kudos to all the the MPs who did ask questions like and mm-hmm. and I confirmed that uh it was MP Tan Wu Ming who mm-hmm. asked that question. He asked two questions. Yeah. Um, and that was the one that Tan Chuan Jin made the joke after la. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I hope there's some follow up. Um, if you're listening, don't forget this. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if uh, it shouldn't just die a slow death. And I'm curious yeah. to see what what are the measures that come out la. Yeah. And then to your point earlier. I think that it, don't discount the how important a press release is to a corporation or you know a statutory board or something like that, like, right? I mm. think literally getting press is some some people's KPIs, like, right? And yeah. those people or the corporations or what have profited off that press release or that or achieving that KPI of that press release. So somebody somewhere is benefiting from making a big hoo-ha, a big press release, then after that, not following up on on, on the promises made, right? And yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's important to keep people honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's like saying, hey, uh, okay, all Yalabad listeners, you know, Terrence and I are going to fly to the moon. 
mm. in four months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we get a uh, what issue press release, a lot of articles, right? Blah blah blah. And then like mm. after that, we're like, hey, fuck, uh, sorry lah, we can't because the rocket rocket doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So some people might find out, but so many people would have heard, hey, got these two interracial podcasters from Singapore flying to Mars, no? Mm. How cool is that? And doing a podcast from Mars, man. Yeah, and doing a podcast <laughs> from Mars, no? The yeah. first podcast will ever be streamed in from Mars. We'll only hear it seven months later, yeah. but they will the, they will be doing it. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's misleading. Still, the more I talk... Misleading, yeah, say misleading. the least, like, right? Yeah. yeah. So the more I felt, uh, the more we talk about this topic, the more... Uh, annoyed I'm getting which I didn't think mm. I didn't start off being like annoyed about this yeah initially no, I, I think you were like oh, why are we talking about this but but it, yeah. I felt the more I read yeah the more I read as well the more I was like a lot of the answers very, very cop out kind of answers like, right yeah it's like textbook answers mm. so opposition MPs you know, or even the MPs from the uh, uh, PAP who asked the questions mm. shout out mm. to you guys please keep asking those questions yeah but yeah um, you know, sweet spoke about greenwashing. Mm. Uh, the other topic is also about something green. Uh, mm. You know, it's it's, it, and I, I don't necessarily mean uh, talking about green in the sense of of money, like, right? But mm. it's green in terms of like uh, the celebration. I think we're talking about the Geylang Serai. Uh, uh, the what do, what do, what do they call it? Called bazaar. The, the bazaar, bazaar, right? Yeah, the bazaar. The bazaar, yeah, yeah. The Geyang Sarai, uh, but I mean, I was asking, was it a Ramadan bazaar or what? what no, do you... no, I think it's in the. I, I think it's in the anticipation of the har, har, upcoming Hari Raya. Okay, okay, but it's taking place during the month where, of Ramadan, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is where you brought up the green, because yeah. that's the the color associated. And green is also the color of of money. I mean, at least, mm. yeah. And that's what's. But is it the color of money in Singapore, dude? <laughs> Okay, uh, technically not like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> but when people say, "Oh, we're talking about the green," usually it's referring the to green US la. dollars, which is green, like, which are green, which is green, like, right? Sing- you know, Singapore five dollars is green. Yeah, yeah. So it still can, so it still can work, it still can work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're only talking about five dollar bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you talk about usually people think of a lot of money. They think in fifty dollar notes, like, right? So it'd be actually be yeah. blue. Blue would be more appropriate for Singapore, lah. Blue, yeah, correct. Yeah. Gotta got to get the blue, man. <laughs> gotta get the blue. blue. <laughs> that sounds sounds a very different thing. Uh. You say, hey, you got blue. Yeah, uh. you got blue. Hey, bro. Hey, yeah. You got blue. No? I got blue. Show me I the blue. blue. Yeah. Show me the blue. Yeah, yeah the, the ocean over there. The sea over there. You go and swim. Uh. But no, yeah. Yes. Anyway, the point is, uh, yeah, la, this, the, the Gilang Sarai Bazaar has been ruffling quite a number of feathers, la, right? And why is that? Mm. Um, because it is the longest running uh, bazaar ever. It's going to be mm. 36 days long. Mm. Um, I think it's the first full one since COVID. Mm, um, yep. And there are up to 900 stalls available mm. for rent. And mm. normally, I think from previous years, just like anecdotally, I've heard, I've seen videos, it's always packed as shit, right? Mm. Um, but this year, about 200 units out of the 900 has still not been taken up. Mm. Uh, and the bazaar started on March 17th, so it's really ongoing. Um, and uh, what what some vendors have said is that it's the high cost mm. that have turned them away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, what what made you want to talk about this? Uh? Um, I think the the fact that the rental, I mean, uh, anecdotally from I think one of the the Vadai stores, right? Anecdotally, mm. the his rental went up from ten thousand dollars a few years ago to $18,000 per month uh, mm. for this bazaar, right? 
And mm-hmm. um, obviously, there will be a rise in the cost that of, of what they sell as well. But uh, mm. a lot of them are saying that they're hoping they can turn a profit. They're not even sure if they can turn a profit yet, right? There's still mm. a chance that they might not turn a profit. Um, so there's a very big hoo-ha. People are saying, oh, there's no more kampong spirit in Singapore. It's all about the money. Uh, and then on the flip side, people are saying, but that's what capitalism is, right? Demand and supply. If they are, still, mm. if they, they go in with their eyes open, they know how much it costs. If they still want to do it, then it's on them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and then I think even prominent, uh, food critics and, and, and food F&B, uh, entrepreneurs like KFC To also came out and, and, you know, had, had, had certain things to say about it as well. Uh, I think it wasn't, he's saying where, you know, what has become where, where Singapore is, you know, uh, has become, is it, we're justifying our world's most expensive city reputation by charging $18,000 a month for a stall, uh, which is the, World's most expensive Pasamalam store already, lah, right? And so is the world's most most expensive Pasamalam store. Uh, he said oh, okay, even okay. even the top pop up markets in prime time New York or LA cannot hold a candle to this to this kind of rent, lah, right? Mm. Uh, so typically, I mean, when you talk about Pasamalam in Singapore, typically it's a neighborhood thing, right? It's it's something that uh in the heartlands and then people can enjoy. You can enjoy. Not say it'll be cheap, but you can generally generally enjoy um, snacks and you know moderately priced snacks, and and it's for the children, it's for it's for young people to go and walk around and enjoy families and all, right? So mm. eighteen thousand dollars a month. How are people gonna? How are the the vendors gonna make ends meet, la? And I think that's the mm. big debate going on, la. Like, is are we? What is happening with all these pasmalams and all that that? The rents need to keep going up, and uh, you know, are they like hawker stores which are gonna eventually disappear at some point? Uh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, okay. So I remember going to Pasamalans when I was young, and mm. yeah, like what you say is really you go there, you it's like all the cheap snacks from around Singapore come, and you and you go there and you see. Mm. And I mean, when I say cheap, I also assume that because the stalls were always taking it up. I think it was. I, I hope they were not getting ripped off lah, but mm. um, I would imagine that they can only offer those prices because the rents were not that high which mm-hmm. really made it a lot more accessible mm. I found myself over the past few years not wanting to go to Pasamalams or even the Gilang Sarai market because I know things there are super expensive mm. yeah yeah. right so then it, it feels like you're going to like uh, you you lose that charm of the Pasamalam where you can try many things you know you buy one mm. goreng pisang here uh, one sausage here one there Hey, you go there, you buy one rainbow bagel, it's like what, $14 yeah, or something? Yeah. Or whatever, some right. fried, fried Oreos or something, like, right? It's like yeah, fried $10 Oreos. or something, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, the the nature of vendors, uh, the nature of F&B businesses is mm. also in, increasing mm. and it is also trending towards, I mean, you see more instances of slightly more expensive snacks, like, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So then, then, isn't that in some way matching the rental increase? It's like, okay, if you can't afford it, so be it. Uh, there's, there are other people who are willing to take it up. Mm. I guess the the question is like, who is the rent being paid to? Right? Mm. Who is mm. the landlord? Uh, and who, why, what's the justification for increasing the rent? Because I think there's this element that the the bazaar, the, the night market and all, is meant to be a community event, right? 
by the community mm-hmm. for the community like I said so families or young kids and like like what you mentioned so people to try out different types of food that they wouldn't normally eat lah, right except around holidays the holiday periods and all that right so mm-hmm. when it becomes such a commercial enterprise that that uh, the rents are so high you know people are struggling to to even turn a small profit from running a store there um then then is it really something that we should continue to support lah, right and and mm. from what i'm reading it seems like the people's association is the one that organizes it um so why is i thought the people if if the people's association is you know to to create a sense of community for singaporeans right and and residents right Mm. shouldn't there be an element of uh, it shouldn't just be a commercial uh, arrangement like, right there's an element of allowing people to experience different types of food different types of culture you know basking in the in the celebrations of, of uh, uh, coming up around Hari Raya as well right so mm. yeah I, I think that's the that's the big thing that people are debating like why why should rentals be so high or just be entirely subject to, you know, uh, highest bidder or market rates only la, when there is a community element to everything? Mm, that is true. Because, I mean, when when I was looking up who are the organizers, I think in addition to uh, PA, there are a few other different organizations, one of which is Anish uh, Global Trading. Mm, mm. Um, uh, founder, uh, the founder's name is Muhammad Mustafa Shah, who I believe is quoted in a CNA article. Mm. Um, he was saying that in an article back in January, he was saying that the estimate is that retail stores can expect um, uh, yeah, rentals of up to 15000 for the op- uh, entire month and F&B up to 19000 right? Mm. Um, and they also offered uh, stalls that cannot pay the cash up rent up front to that, that to take a percentage of their sales la. Mm, but mm. yeah I mean it just feels like um, okay it's it's being run as a commercial business la, which mm. can understand but then I agree with you that if this is one of those things that started off as a community thing mm. uh, is it being too commercialized now la, because it feels like the benefits are being centralized mm. while all the stall owners I mean you think about it one month right let's say F&B let's say 19,000 let's say we stick to 18,000 that means you have to make $600 mm. a day mm. of profit la, right mm. Mm. that's a lot man and yeah. and it will suck if it's like they have to see it as a marketing expense for mm. one month mm. yeah uh, right so yeah it just feels like just because there's a demand maybe there are a lot of people bidding for slots mm. is it the best thing to do to just assign okay who the bid goes to the highest bidder like what mm. you said like. so yeah in fact I think in January when they announced uh, the bazaar uh, the Minister mm. of State for Home Affairs and National Development Mohammed Faisal Ibrahim said that affordability is an important consideration for visitors so every F&B store the bazaar must or we'll offer at least one item on the menu that is at a sample size of $4. Oh, is mm. it? Oh, so it has to be... So you're mandating that that yeah vendors have to make something affordable, right? at least one item on your menu affordable. Uh, you, ha- you mandate that they have to, to make something affordable, but at the same time, the rent is very high. There's, uh, it's not, oh. there's no mandate on, on keeping the rents low, right? So, uh, 
yeah, so I think even the articles that I'm, I'm just looking at on Yahoo where they, they, they covered this announcement, they, they made a point that previous year's bazaar saw very inflated prices, like $19 lobster rolls, $8 rainbow bagels. Oh, <laughs> so how will, how will things be, uh, affordable, right? Yeah. So it's just, yeah, and I mean, it's tough, like, yeah. And I mean, like, uh, just a rudimentary calculation, right? Mm. You know, as you were talking, it's like, okay, you want to talk about affordability, but if you got 900 stalls, right, assuming each of them pay rent of like, okay, if you're saying low-end 15K for retailers, 19K for uh, F&B, let's say you say 17K uh, per stall, right? Mm. That's 15.3 million. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 15.3 million from just rent. Mm. Yeah. How the fuck does that make sense? Makes sense in what sense? Like, it's so much. Like, for the organizers, right? Mm-hmm. 15.3 million. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it, it, where where is this going to? Mm. Like, 15.3 million. I'm, let, me, let me double check my calculation. 900 times 17,000. 15.3 million. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. Does it really take that much to organize uh, a pasar malam? I don't know. That's the like, thing, right? Like, we don't, yeah, you don't, there, there's no breakdown of who is getting what from this rental. Um, the other things that I'm also seeing on social media are that uh, some store owners are putting up, literally putting up uh, WhatsApp messages that they're getting from organizers, you know, chasing them for payment. Uh, chasing them for partial payments or or the first payments or something like that and getting threats that if they're not paid uh, you know they will cut the electricity and, and, and water supply la, to the stores wow. so all this is uh, it's, it's what I see on social media it hasn't been verified I'm not 100% sure if it, even if it came from the organizers or anything like that but uh, it's stuff that they've been posting they've been tagging Keosito they've been tagging the Ministry of uh, National Development, you know. So it just sounds like a very cutthroat kind of environment, like, right? Where, where's that? I mean, like, call me naive, like, but where's that kampong spirit in this entire thing, like, right? And and like you, Whoa. like you, I've also, I mean, in previous years I've gone and I've just been shocked by how expensive things are. And then uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's, you're, you know, dealing with very big crowds and then, it's very difficult to to I mean not difficult but it can be can be quite uh cumbersome to get there as well right to find let's say if you drive there you're trying to find parking and things like that right so to make it Whoa. worth it like like as a consumer even I I'm even more turned off by the fact that it seems like uh, the vendors are just so uh, are also being squeezed right and I like should yeah. I support an event like that as well yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is another topic that I started off. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, things are getting expensive. Mm. But just even the pure numbers. Mm. In the CNA article, the organizer himself mm. says that the cost of setting up the bazaar came up to nearly 2.5 million this year. Mm, 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 mm. So when I read it, I was like, oh, okay, that, that's a lot. La. But then you just do the calculation. Okay, you're getting 15.3 million from revenue, mm. of rental revenue. The cost mm. is 2.5 million what the hell is everything else going to? Okay, I can understand electricity, I don't know, marketing and all, but holy shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm also seeing online on Reddit and all that. People are saying, this is ridiculous. Like, um, 
can we have a breakdown? Can this be brought up in parliament and stuff like that? Mm. But yeah, um, I don't know, man. Because, mm. Yeah. But I mean, mm. uh, I just, I guess somewhat tangentially related as well. I think over the weekend, yeah. you and I both separately, you know, went mm. to, went to, uh, we won't say what exactly, like, but we went to a, a very atas flea market, like, right? That was in town. Yeah, you know, correct. Right? <laughs> and I think you and I had very, very uh, different experiences of the whole thing. Like, uh, where yeah, I think, correct. Um, I think I was like the, the, the Debbie Downer. And even my wife would say that. Like, <laughs> yeah. She said, oh, it's horrible going to the experience with you because... <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I, you know, for context, I think it's a very atas free market that's in town, and um, mm. it's not just it, it's not something that's just you walk in for free and and everything's expensive. You literally have to pay an entrance fee as a mm. as someone who's going there to spend money. You have to pay five dollars to go to this atas free market, and the thing is that getting to the atas free market it's in a location where it's not easy to to access via public transport, like, Right. So yeah, you have to you, walk a bit, lah. Yeah. You have to walk quite okay, lah. You have to walk a bit. I know I sound like a first world problems, but it's on a hot day. <laughs> when we just talk about Singapore is very hot, so you want to go there and you want to just like relax and all. It's aircon environment, but to get there you kind of have to walk. If not, then you have to queue up for a, sh- a free shuttle bus that they have, lah. Right? Which yeah, which is yeah. All. So yeah, lah. So that's why maybe that's why you have to pay five dollars to go, lah. But I think fundamentally, some people did say to me like, uh, it did not make sense to them that that. Uh, you know they had to pay so that they can go to a place and pay more money to buy expensive things la, you know mm, so so philosophically mm. they couldn't get around that and they refused to go la. but for you you felt it was, ah, mm. it was okay la. why uh, why why do you feel it's yeah. okay because I mean how I had no intention of going mm. right um, then over the weekend my wife was like oh wanna go for this then I was like um, yeah but I already planned to do some work you know then she said uh, something about being spontaneous and I was like okay yeah okay, I do want to be more spontaneous uh, okay so fine I'll go <laughs> but so I went as a Debbie Downer yeah, yeah. but I came out uh, as the awesome. I don't know what the opposite of a Debbie Downer is yeah. I was like hey that was a cool, cool experience. experience you know yeah. thank you thank you wife for opening my eyes to mm. spontaneity mm. and the benefits of it yeah. um, then I remember Monday before the podcast I was like hey Terrence I also went and I remember you, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, sick of it. Hated it. <laughs> I'm like, what? So, the context is you have also been for the past three years. I, I've right? been a few times, yes. I have been there a few yeah, times. Yeah, I've been for the past three years. This is my first time. And yeah, like, it's a Atas flea market. So, it also sells like Atas stuff. Mm. Like, like, you know, uh, cold press uh, ginger from the Peruvian forest mm. or some stuff mm. like that. Um, so, I enjoyed it because, and, I, and philosophically, I also have no issues paying. Mm. Because... Uh, it's five dollars. You go there. It is, it is a okay. It's a flea market, yes, but it's aircon and it's 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 an enjoyable walk around. Mm. I enjoyed walking around. Mm. But the biggest thing for me is that it's almost like a new thing mm. Mm. where you are told the entrance fee is five dollars. Um, okay, you take it or leave it, mm. Mm. Uh, I think there are other places also where to do expensive shit you still have to pay so this is how I was surprised by your reaction mm-hmm. um, but it's very different for the, from the from the Gelang Sarai market or Pasar so, Malam for so me so for la. you artisanal cheese candles for $50 okay <laughs> no problem I'm more I'm more person selling to you no problem dude, good dude, and Gelang Sarai Gelang Sarai Night Bazaar like 10 cents more for the but I cannot I cannot take it I cannot believe it I don't want I don't want to support is that is that what you're saying <laughs> Oh, nice try, <laughs> nice attempt at using funny basket. <laughs> no, so so the first of all, what is the artisanal cheese candle? Uh, 
Is it? Is that what it's called? No, no. I mean, there were literally like very expensive candles. Artisanal cheese and artis- artisanal candles. Like, I remember looking no, no, at no, candles. No, in, like, I'm saying hey, like there are candles that have different like flavors and all, right? Like, so it's a cheese flavor. I don't know if I'm just, I'm just saying. Sim- I'm just simulating. <laughs> Like, which I wouldn't be too surprised if there really was such a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, true. that's yeah. true. No, I remember seeing a candle where I was like, hey, shit, that's a nice candle. I looked at the price. I'm like, okay, moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, so the thing is, right, you still don't have to buy it. Right? It's right. still in your choice. And you go in, you go in. I already went in mm. knowing that I'm not going to see like, a, you know, a rumbly burger or something. Mm. I'm going to see something with like organic um, chicken who've had their feathers massaged for the first two years of their life mm. and then bathed in like uh, some organic soap for the next two years. Mm. Um, so I already went in knowing that. Whereas the Geelang Sarai, the Pasar Malam, Maybe it's the nostalgia thing, mm. right? This was something that was almost like the public, you know, it's ours. Mm, mm. It's our community. And then now it's being like Co-opted. commercialized. Yeah. yeah. And even then, right, um, it's the store owners who seem like they're getting squeezed. Mm. Like. I honestly don't know what the economics are of having a stall at Gilang Sarai. Mm. Um, I know the Vade stall that you mentioned, he actually has five stalls yeah. at Gilang Sarai. <laughs> so maybe he's like Vade, in, uh. Vade to the max. <laughs> This is Vade Central, Vade bro. Vade Monopoly. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, for me, it's still different. But for you, philosophically, you still uh, can't stand those, ta- those kind of uh, atas flea markets. Either. No, no. But like you said, I think they what they invented this atas flea market, right? They yeah. found a location. They curate the vendors. They create the environment. And uh, it's up to them how they want to do it. Whether they want to charge money for yeah. it. It's, I think nobody nobody can fault them and if people are still going then good for them lah, right but when it yeah, comes to yeah. like what you said when it comes to, comes to this community uh, pasamalams literally pasamalams right it's something that you yeah. feel you've grown up with and, and it's part of the community and it's almost like a, it has to be part of our social fabric that, that there are these pasamalams and night markets and all uh, and to suddenly hear that it's become such a commercial and uh, enterprise where like literally the rents for it are astronomical. Like what I imagine, uh, you know, you'd be paying for rent when you go to an Orchard Road department store or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But you're paying for it in the Geelang Sarai Night Bazaar. That, that to me, something feels off about the whole thing, right? Yeah. And it seems like, it's, I don't know whether it's going to the highest bidder or something, but it feels like, um, yeah, because there's so much supply of vendors, mm they have the ability to increase as a way of curating vendors. Then I'm like, yo, man. No, but then if there are 200, if there are 200 stores empty, it means that it, something's wrong, right? True, yeah, true. Yeah, so there's not, a, yeah. they're not matching uh, supply and demand that case already. Law is, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a whole committee for price gouging and all that that is being set up to to find out, like to, to catch instances of price gouging, right? So yeah. when there's a mismatch of supply and demand so clearly here, Maybe it's something worth looking into, lah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I ask you, would, exactly, would it, exactly. so if if let's say the Geylang Sarai Night Bazaar moved to a central location with aircon <laughs> and with a shuttle bus, a shuttle bus to bring you in your in your nice your nice weekend clothes without sweating and all that to the location, um, then and they still charge that kind of prices, lah. You know, would you be more accepting hmm. accepting to that? Would you be more open to that? Then they don't call it the Geylang Sarai Bazaar. <laughs> so you must you must sweat and you must like jostle with people. Then it's, then you en- enjoy the experience, is it? Ah, uh, no lah. I think I think 
Because as you were saying, I was thinking, okay, let's say they take something like Jalan Kayu Prata mm. and they move it somewhere and they charge like $10. I would feel pissed off. But if someone else wants to start like a Prata mm. and sell it for $10, okay, all power to Just you. Just call, it, some, so call maybe, it something else, right? You're saying. Yeah, maybe it's the connection. Like you obviously know that this thing is very popular. Mm. Uh, let's commercialize it in a way that it's not, doesn't sound like the equity or the, 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 the gains are being shared with the people who make the festival in the first place, mm. are the vendors, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. That's true. So that one, you, that one also, so, so if the Atas flea market uh, remove the aircon <laughs> and they move to a more heartland area <laughs> where you don't have to pay, will you go in with a smile or not, Terrence? Uh, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> then you can sweat, you know, with your artisanal cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think then then it will smell very bad, lah. Right, the artisanal cheese. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't hold up in this weather, lah. <laughs> that's the thing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, like you, actually, that's very true, lah. Like part of the allure of this pasamalam sauce that is like, it's almost like you, like when you go for this kind of thing, you you sort of plan it with your friends or family or what. It it almost feels like a army mission like that, lah. You know. You know that you mm, go, you're mm. going to sweat a lot. So bring your water bottle, bring your fan or whatever you need to survive. Wear nice, wear nice shoes that, 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 you know, will be, will be comfortable and you won't feel bad if other people step on it or spill or spill uh, tea on it or whatever, lah, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. so exactly. it's, a, it's a whole event that you plan around. But yeah, whereas, whereas like, uh, you know, if it was, put in an aircon room and everything, then it doesn't have that kind of same, the same charm anymore. Yeah, it's different. Uh. Yeah, very different. Very yeah, different. must be a bit gritty. Uh. Must be a bit gritty, you know, yeah. like, oh, I range, you must be careful of the mud while uh, eating your, your Romley burger. Oh, yeah, there must yeah. be some skin on skin I contact. Like, show. you must exchange sweat <laughs> with somebody. Like, bump to someone, <laughs> then your hand, sweat and your hand brushes <laughs> with someone else's. There must yeah, be like that. the flea market on weekend, uh. there was no sweat exchange. <laughs> no sweat exchange at all. Well, right? and that's, cool, but then that's you the perfume, cool. your perfume rub off someone else and you smell like, you smell my like aura. flowers after that, right? My aura, my aura, my aura uh, percolated the aura of someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, and if you're, if you don't feel, you're not feeling good, then you can go and sit down in the nail spa and get your nails done. You know, in one yeah, corner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a funny thing. Yeah, this, this is good. But I mean, if anyone has gone to the Gelang Sarai Market, mm. uh, or maybe the Atas Flea Market mm. that, that we both happen to go yeah. to, uh, I mean, okay, the, the nice thing was there were people who listened to our podcast at the Flea Market. So everyone who said hello um, um, and and gave me like uh, probiotic tea as to taste, uh, uh, shout out to you guys. So maybe that's why you enjoyed it so much. You, did, you left out that detail when you told me. <laughs> you never mentioned any of this at all. When I went, nobody... Nobody came up to me and said, like, oh, I listened to your podcast. Nobody at all. So I was like, uh, I'm just sitting one corner. Not a standing one corner. Like, uh, like oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, now maybe. that now it makes a lot more sense why you left with smiles on your face. And all. I was like on top of the world, man. I was like, yes. People listen to us. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's, why, that's why they say, you know, actors and all that. People in the public, the public sphere, they live very different lives from the rest of us. Like. Where, you know, one, just someone coming up to them and say, yeah, I love you, all you in the show, that kind of thing. It just makes a, makes them smile the rest of the day, like, you know, where's the rest of us are like, huh? oh, what's this big deal, you know? No, okay, maybe it was the icing on the cake, like, but the cake was still tasty. The cake was still, still nice. Tasty. Cognitive yeah, distance, like, you know, cognitive distance, the idea you pay a small amount, then you go there thinking, ah, why I pay for this shit? But when you get some a little bit of benefit from it, then your brain, your brain tricks you into thinking, oh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, you know. 
That's the idea of comedy. Yeah, I, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. I still, I'm thinking, even if uh, those, all those people didn't say yeah. anything about the podcast, I think I would have still enjoyed it. I still, you should experiment. You should, <laughs> you should run A-B test. You should go to the Gangs Rai Market. And then, like, see, see how you enjoyed it at the end. La. Whether people care to you, recognize you, whatever. And then you see how you feel about the- it at the end. Compared to your Atas flea market, there's a there's there's a horrible A B <laughs> test. I should have gone to a same event and don't show my face. Oh yeah, yeah. cover your face. You know, like put on makeup uh, or like yeah, <laughs> wear a mask, wear sunglasses and all, <laughs> and then see how I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. But yeah, don't if you see see me in public and want to say, oh, you know, I like the podcast. Don't think of Terrence, uh, and and not Spoiling. come and say hi. Okay, yeah, <laughs> just say hi. It does. It's it's a, it's always a nice thing. Mm. So yeah. so yeah. So will you be going to the Guinness right, like bizarre? I uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. You're not you're not yeah, going to be spontaneous so. and just bring your. <laughs> Bring your wife to I a mean, nice I mean, I say I don't, I don't think so. La. Maybe <laughs> next weekend I'll be hey, Terrence, I just went to the Gilux. I did something really spontaneous this weekend, yeah. So, obviously, you've not learned, you've not learned your lesson from, from your conversation with your wife. Huh? Being I haven't learned. So, this weekend, this weekend, it might happen. It might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe but it's worth just going just to really see how... Expensive yeah, stuff like, maybe stuff. feel the difference. Feel, uh, the, feel difference, the difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think remember our mm, guest on our podcast, yeah. uh, Reggie from the Financial Coconut. Like he mentioned, yeah. how for him, like being in Turkey while the lira was crashing and all was very important, like, right? And for us, mm, it's like mm, it's mm, very mm. important to be at the Gelang Sarai Night Bazaar when bagels are going up from eight dollars to to fourteen dollars or something like that. Like, to see the inflation, yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, to feel inflation, maybe feel the inflation, maybe 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 you go there again. So at least I'm justified in my in my in my perspectives and thoughts. Correct, right? correct, correct. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. cool, cool, cool. So yeah, uh, okay. we always like to end off by going back to the community and asking what was your one short comment. Uh my one short comment um was was a video shared by a uh, long-time Redditor, Jungle Jimbo, mm. um, uh, which I think you watched also based on what you commented. Yes. It's called uh, Why Banks Fail. Mm. Uh, and it's done by a YouTuber called Johnny Harris, mm. who explained kind of like the Silicon Valley bank crash. Mm. And I mean, I've heard of him. I haven't watched too many of his videos, but this video was good. La. And then, mm. yeah, I think I think he's become known for these sort of explainer videos, la, mm. right? So... It's a it's a video that's about twenty minutes long, mm. um, and he has since then done a few more videos explaining like the banking shit. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so so it was a good watch. Yeah, I think uh, when I watched it, I was also like, I, I thought, oh, I really know a lot about all this, but you know, like uh, he he explains things really simply, like just the concept of like a banker, right, and how why. Why the concept of a bank is so crazy in the sense that how your ten thousand dollars that you put in a bank, you know, multiplies into a hundred thousand for the economy and all that. And these yeah. are things probably we learned like at a very early age from econs, our first econs class in you know in school or what. But you know, as an adult, just to listen to it and how it applies in this current context of Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse and all, uh, yeah, it's just it was it was a very very welcome refresher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just to correct myself, he hasn't made any videos since then. But I mean, you should check out his channel because some of his other videos are like uh, the worst war you never learned about, milk, the white lie we've all been sold. He was my uh, one shot thing sometime back. Suddenly, huh? everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, remember, about, I remember. I think he because 
I think he he bases a lot of what he he does on maps, right? Mm, so, so, right. Oh yes, he's the map yeah, he's guy. The map guy. So he studies maps and talks about them. So he he was talking about the World Cup in Qatar uh, by looking at how how uh worker dormitories were being developed in or based on the map in Qatar, la. Yeah. Mm. So it was actually uh that was my my the first time I encountered him, and I was like, yeah, wow, this is amazing, huh? Yeah. Oh, his YouTube thumbnail game is powers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Um, that that was the one one short comment. Yeah. Shout out to Jungle Jimbo. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my one short comment uh was actually was actually also a shout out to to Jungle Jimbo, right? Uh, I mm. think wow, double double short comment because before we even posted it ourselves, he already he already discovered that we had posted our our you know our Yalabad uh recording with Kevin Pereira the AI expert mm. uh, on YouTube, la, right? And for because of technical reasons, we decided, okay, we'll only put it on YouTube because the audio quality wasn't great, la, right? Uh, but mm. before we could even publicize it to everyone, uh, Jungle Jimbo already like put it up there as a saying, asking, hey, how come this is up on YouTube but it's not on the podcast and all that, right? So mm. it's, uh, I think it's, it's pretty cool that people are on YouTube also waiting for our videos to drop. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very cool that he, he called it up, uh, pulled it up so early, uh, before we even posted it ourselves. Mmm, uh. mm, mm. I see. Yeah. That is, yeah, uh, Jungle Jimbo, man. Yeah. Always on the radar. Yeah. But yeah, so what is your cool. one shook thing for this episode? Uh, my one shook thing is actually this long form, uh, article, that done by The Verge mm. uh, uh, and it's titled The Trauma Flaw The Secret Lives of Facebook Moderators in America mm. so I mean it's a, it's a long ass article but it's a it's a chilling deep dive into one of the companies that um, provides a service to Facebook uh, the company is called Cognizant mm. Um, that is the company that manages all the moderators that, you know, Facebook said they've, they've got like 40,000 uh, uh, moderators watching content mm. and flagging content yep. um, uh, re- almost real time. La. So mm. it, it talks to people who work as moderators and holy shit, man, they're all developing like PTSD, trauma. They're getting paid shit money. Like apparently the average Facebook employee earns about 240K a year on average. While a moderator who is always touted as, you know, part of Facebook's moderation community, they earn 28000 a year mm. in Phoenix, mm. America. And some of the things, like it starts off with an account of one of the moderators who says one of the training sessions is that uh, each one will take a turn to play a video um, that they are assigned and to talk about why it fails the Facebook policy mm. line. The first one she plays is someone getting stabbed alive. Oh, jeez. So she explains that after that she just goes to the toilet and breaks down and then the on-site counsellor who's there half a day, he's not there yet so she's just freaking out and she says it's like a, it's like a daily occurrence mm-hmm. and people who work as moderators, they are like um, having to resort to like just, uh, I mean one of the things I think there's people who have sex in the stairwells and all just for some sort of distraction mm-hmm. and then they are getting more influenced by fringe content like Flat Earth and all. So it's just, I, I, it's, a, it's a shock thing in the sense that it's a side of tech that you may have heard about but you never read about. But oh my God, it's chilling. Mm. It is chilling. Yeah. And it's just one of the things that I think everyone should 
be aware of because like, these people are so easily forgotten. So like. are they still are they still working at Facebook or what? Or they used to? Uh yeah, no, no they they still have a deal. Oh okay. Um Cognizant is still a vendor for Facebook. Uh, I think there's a very high turnaround rate and all the employees uh, uh need to sign NDAs. Mm, got it, got it. So everyone's talking under anonymity. Uh, I, so it's like, Facebook oh, what? Yeah. I mean Facebook had very big layoffs recently, right? Like almost yeah, a total yeah, of twenty five percent of their workforce has been they're laying off. So I don't know, man. Are these people are the ones being uh you know, facing the the axe now that Facebook is cutting costs? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just it's just like a whew, just 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 skim through it mm. like it's just chilling. Yeah. But yeah, okay, I hope your shook thing is more uh, organically shook. Um Yes and no. Uh, yes, in the sense that uh, I was very excited when yesterday, I think it was yesterday, uh, Piers Morgan and, uh, dropped a new interview that he did on his show, Piers mm. Morgan and Censored. And it's with the author of the book, The God Delusion, uh, Richard Dawkins. Oh. So, mm. you know, I think uh, Richard Dawkins is known as a scientist or a science educator who has written a lot of books about uh, evolutionary biology. But he's also mm. known for writing, you know, uh, about like, like literally the title is The God Delusion, right? Where he, mm. you know, he, uh, I mean, a lot of arguments of why, you know, uh, religion can be, can be harmful for or at least extremism, right? Religious extremism mm-hmm. is very harmful for society and human beings in general, right? So, yeah. I mean, this is someone who's not afraid to say his mind, to say the least, right? This is Richard Dawkins. Yeah. I, I think I read the book early in the day and, and it was quite influential in terms of how I thought about a lot of things. Uh, and, and, and in re- more recent years, he's also become a very controversial figure, like, right? Where he talks about, he, he's talked about transgender issues. He's spoken up in, in support of uh, J.K. Rowling and, and people like that as well. Uh, mm. But one thing you can't say is that he's scared. Like, he's not scared, right? He's not scared to say his mind. Yeah. Uh, so I was enjoying the interview because I thought it was, I think it was a very, you know, Piers Morgan is, was pushing a lot of the buttons and he was responding in his usual very eloquent self. But about 33 minutes into the interview, there's a very chilling moment when Piers Morgan tries to ask him about uh, two things. La. One about the, the incident of a, a female ISIS fighter who, who, you know, a female ISIS member who wants to return to the UK, I think. Um, but mm. they're not because she was taken as an ISIS bride when she was a teenager and now she wants to return to the UK but I think there's debates on whether she should be allowed to that's one issue mm. and then he also brought up the issue of Salman Rushdie you know who for the longest mm. time because of what he's written has had a had a essentially a bounty on his head right uh, mm-hmm. and then I think he was attacked uh, stabbed I believe at a public event some time ago so two very big things and when Piers Morgan asked him about it Richard Dawkins just clamped up. He just says, I'm not going to talk about that. And uh, it's this very awkward moment of silence where Piers Morgan is almost, you can tell Piers Morgan is surprised that Richard Dawkins refuses to talk about anything. So, and Richard Dawkins just smiling awkwardly and just saying, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question or something. And Piers Morgan is like, wow, that's really sad that, that, you know, a scientist, an academic like you, who, you know, who is known for being completely uncensored in your views feels like that you have a need to silence yourself down for this. And all Richard Dawkins can say is just like, um, yeah, I probably should have told you this before we started this interview. Uh, you know? Really? And then Piers Morgan, okay, fine. And then he carries on. Interview. But, but it's just very chilling when you see that 
you know, someone, an 82-year-old scientist and everything literally has to hold himself back, to censor himself because he's afraid of the repercussions of the stuff he says. Uh. And, and the rest of the oh, interview shit. carries on as per normal. It's very interesting. He's very eloquent and all. But I think that part really stood out to me because and I had to rewatch it because I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing like, where literally, you know, Richard Dawkins was refused to answer certain questions because he's probably afraid of his life. Like. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So do do check and, it out. I mean, I'm, not many people are writing about it because eh? there's no articles or anything yet. At least I couldn't find. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a... I mean, he just basically is saying that he has no comment on something like right? But it's in the context yeah. of watching this full 45-minute interview where he's so eloquent and he's quoting people and he has has opinion about a lot of things and he's arguing with Piers Morgan about a lot of things. Then suddenly, just when he's asked this certain question, he just like, no, I... I I, I'm not going to answer that. I I I can't I'm, I can't say anything about that. You know, and then it's just awkward silence for like wow. a, a few seconds, uh, quite a quite a, a short while. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So damn, uh, it's my one short thing because I, I feel like you know the interview is interesting, but it's also very chilling yeah. that that moment where you realize like, you know, there is censorship is is self censorship is real uh, when there are real threats to people's lives. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. That, um, um, it's like forty six minutes, right? The whole video. Yeah. You watched it. Yeah, like? I watched the whole thing. But but if you really just want to jump to that moment, it's it's at thirty about thirty three minutes in. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Power. Okay, man. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Um. A, thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. And as always, if you have any thoughts or comments, please hit us yeah. up. Yeah. Uh. In yeah. So uh, just let's chat. Let's Peace. Chat.